Welcome to the D-Scoop podcast. It is dedicated to the education and the inspiration and business growth of our D-Scoop members, the world's largest community of HP graphic arts users. So this is for you. And we are so happy to bring you today the topic leadership re-entry. And, you know, with the impact of the pandemic on businesses, on people, on teams, on our lives, uh, many of us feel uncertain, we're apprehensive, we're overwhelmed. We want to know what the next best tips are for this new world that we're in. And we need leadership more than ever, as I think all of us are realizing. But what does leadership look like today? So here to provide key insights about that is my friend and longtime executive coach, Beth Miller. Thanks for joining us today, Beth. Well, thank you, Ginger, for having me. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. I've had the opportunity to interview Beth over the years, and I follow her blog and her great um, advice and counsel about leadership in a very great perspective. So I think you're going to enjoy this. Beth is founder of Executive Velocity. It's a talent strategy and leadership development and executive coaching organization. She's also the previous chair of Vistage International. I don't know if, if you all have heard of this before. Many of you know that's the world's largest executive coaching and peer-to-peer advisory organization. And they bring together leaders to help them grow. And that's exactly what Beth does in her business. She's a coach, she's an advisor, she's a consultant, and she works with people and businesses that want to build their leadership capacity and ensure that their employees are in the right seat with the right tools, doing the right things to drive profitable business growth. Who really doesn't want that, right? So um, she's very sought after. And her work helps business owners grow their organizations, grow their teams. And she also helps leaders plan for succession, uh, successfully exit their companies while leaving the positive legacy that so many of us work hard for all our careers. It's really a very vast uh, protocol that you have, Beth. So thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll just start right in, okay? We'll dig right in. So I know you've been working with a lot of business leaders and owners, executive teams, during these unprecedented times. And we're excited to hear your experiences. So let me just ask you straight out, what are some of the, say, top three biggest shifts that leaders are having to learn during COVID? Well, obviously one of them is communications. You know, we're, we're not able to communicate face-to-face. So many of us are communicating like we are today over Zoom. Uh, there's, there's also a shift I've, I've seen, I saw it pretty early on, as it relates to focusing on um, employee wellness and, and well-being. And then, and finally, there was, as, as leaders moved through COVID, um, they started getting concerned about um, performance and how much time people were putting into, into their jobs because they couldn't see them. So, so those are probably the, the three things that uh, leaders have had to adjust to. Um, you know, communications, what I've seen are a number of things. One is kind of a um, more of a continuous communication that is um, has a rhythm to it. So for instance, one of the leaders that um, I work with, he early on moved to meetings three times a week. Now, when you hear three times a week, you think, oh my gosh, you know, that's a lot of meetings. 
I mean, some people were doing it daily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially sure. those first, you know, two to four weeks when they were trying to figure out how to work at home and, you know, get stuff organized. Yeah. Um, but those, those three meetings, what he did was he decided he wanted to focus those Mondays on working in the business, meaning those, those tactical um, short-term goals to make sure that the company was moving forward. Mm-hmm. Wednesdays were around working on the business. And so that's more of those future forward thinking types of, of programs, um, preparing, preparing the company to, to get through COVID and what, what would they be doing afterwards. And then um, Friday was the fun day. Friday was the day that um, they celebrated those, those wins that they had over the past week. So that was, that was kind of their rhythm. Um, and they actually expanded that communication to their clients and customers. That's neat. Uh, they, what their, their business was around supporting doctors doctor's offices. Wow. Yeah. They, they helped doctor's offices move to a concierge model. And so um, they, they created a lot of, of podcasts like you're doing for your members and also invited, invited them um, to some really specific um, kind of helpful, specifically around COVID podcasts. And um, one of them was they actually sourced a psychologist mm-hmm. who came on and talked about um, the challenges that, um, that the doctor's employees were probably having through this and how they could be helpful to their employees. And what was really cool was the employees of my client heard about this and they're like, well, we'd like to have a podcast like that. Mm-hmm. So he, he brought the, the woman back to, to do a podcast specifically uh, for their, the employees. Yeah, that is so great. The innovation and the ideation that goes on around these communications. So you said, you know, uh, we're working in the business, on the business, and then Friday was fun celebratory. And then you look at the outlier topics like the psychology of what's going on, the challenges and stresses. And it becomes so broad that the customers themselves wanted, wanted you to bring it to them. We're, we're finding the same with our topics as well. They're, yeah. They're broader than business. Yes. In day and age. Exactly. So, so you told us about some of the three biggest shifts, communications, um, employee wellness, some of that uh, differences in, in actions. You told us a little bit about that communication, getting a rhythm, making sure. What, what other things are you learning about um, key actions that uh, leaders can take around communication? Yeah. um, Well, one of them is the virtual knock. And um, I learned this from a a friend of mine um, out in the West Coast. And he and his team um, decided that it was really important that through this, this era of COVID, that they needed to hear from each other more often. And, and they missed the opportunity when they were in the office to be able to, you know, knock on the door and ask a quick question. 
So they created a norm within the organization where if there was a phone call coming from uh, a team member, that you were to take that call unless you were in the midst of something, okay? And if you were in the midst of something, then you were, you were to call back as soon as you had the break. Um, so that was, that's the virtual knock. So they made an agreement amongst themselves. Hey guys, I feel like we all want to communicate more. Everyone agreed. And they said, when a phone call comes in, that's the virtual knock. Yes. Let's all pick it up. So yeah. tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, so what it, it does, it, it, it basically allows people when, um, you know, you have a, a question that just kind of pops up that um, instead of sending an email, you have a more personal connection. You pick up the phone and call um, versus that text or email. So, so it's, it's creating that, that emotional connection um, versus a, a transactional communication. Ah, that makes really good sense, especially in the beginning and even now where people are sheltering at home or you know we, we open up, we close back down, isolating. It's, it's also more efficient. Uh, yeah. In, instead of having those, the conversation back and forth. In fact, um, this morning, I, um, this gentleman reached out to me on LinkedIn and wanted to connect. And I'm always a little wary, but I, I looked at his profile. Um, he was um, in the insurance industry, which is an industry that I work with quite a bit. He, he um, was also an alum of Harvard Business School, which is where I went. And so I thought, well, I, I, need, to, you know, I need to connect with him. And he didn't, he didn't have a lot of connections, which I thought was interesting. So I just sent him a note saying, hey, you know, how'd you find me? What made you, you know, connect with me kind of thing? And he said, well, your, your name just came up. You know how LinkedIn wants to promote more connections. Well, we started going back and forth. And I finally said, you know, how about a Zoom? Yeah. And so, so we're going to do a Zoom next week. Perfect. Yeah. So on the efficiency, yeah. the connection of that. Yeah, versus going back and forth three or four times. So let me ask you a question. I'm hearing that sometimes the leader doesn't feel like they need that additional communication or those touch points, but the employee team members do, and they need it with the leader. Are you finding that to be true in your coaching and advising currently? Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I think most leaders um, know it from from an intellectual standpoint. Right. It's more the emotional standpoint because, you know, well, I don't really need that, you know. Um, the fact of the matter is most of them do. They just won't admit it. <laughs> they won't. And, um, and they won't. One of the things that, that I spend a lot of time with, with leaders recently on is taking care of themselves. They, they're spending so much time and energy, which is great, and taking care of their employees, making sure that their employees feel um, safe, that um, especially when we're re-entering the workplace. And while they're doing that though, they're disregarding their need. And much, there is a lot of anxiety, especially, especially with small and mid-sized companies. Mm -hmm. and, you know, some of these companies, they may not make it. Even with all the support that, that the government's providing, et cetera, they may not make it. And so, and, and these small mid-sized companies, 
most of the business owners' wealth is in that company. That's, that's it. They don't have lots of savings. They've been reinvesting Correct. all the time. So I have encouraged those individuals to spend some quality time with themselves in um, things like meditating, practicing gratitude for the things that they do have that other people may not have, um, and simple things like uh, breathing, just keep taking those deep breaths. Yeah. And, I mean, just a, a quick meditation of, you know, most people will do 10 to 20 minutes, but you could, you could do it in 30 seconds and, and slow your heart rate down and, and calm yourself down. That's a good point. And, and not only are they taking care of their employees, you mentioned to me the other day when we were talking, there's a need for employees to hear from the leaders, but sometimes the leaders don't know exactly what to say. So that's my question to you is, you know, how comfortable are most leaders with this type of more emotional or, you know, communication? And when they know they don't have all the answers, I'm sure a lot of people in leadership positions are used to having a meeting or a conversation once they know the answers, but today it's not the case. Right. And I think it depends on the profile of, of the leader. Sure. You know, there's, there's clearly uh, leaders out there who, who are not, not comfortable with gray. They're either black or white. And um, those, those individuals that are comfortable with the gray are, are really um, living through this in, in a, a good way, and leading through this in a good way. Um, I, the others though, there, there's, there's a challenge because they feel like they should have the answer. And the, the problem is nobody does. Yeah, none of us do. So for them to be transparent with, with their employees that you know, they don't have all the answers, but they, but, and they realize that this could change tomorrow, next, you know, in the next hour or next week, that they have some sort of plan, especially if you're going back into work. Uh, I was talking to one client in Florida and they've, they're about at 85% of the employees are, are back in the workplace. Um, they're, you know, they're socially distanced and, you know, they've got the masks and all that, but they're, they're keeping watch uh, of the, the COVID numbers locally. And, um, you know, if, if for some reason there's, there are, are issues, well, they, they know that they've got to pull back and they're, they've got a, a graduated plan to, to pull back. Um, and they're also supportive of those 15% that haven't come back. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, they, they either have some sort of health, underlying health issue or you know they, they've got some other personal issue where they they need to stay at home. So um, yeah, they're it, showing the support of that. That's important too. So you mentioned um, how to combat some of the the characteristics of leaders right now. You mentioned transparency, being yeah. transparent and just kind of vulnerability. I don't know. Right. And part and that's that takes courage. 
for a leader to say, I don't know. Your, your leaders are built to know. <laughs> right. And, and to say, I don't know, and, and show that vulnerability for some, for some is, are difficult. But what I like to, to do with those individuals to, is to try and get them to shift their minds to, well, what, what would it look like if not everything, all the responsibilities were on you? How would that make you feel? Make sure that as, a, as leaders, you've got a good team around you. Mm-hmm. And those, those team members probably have some ideas that are really helpful. Yep. Just, yeah, I mean, so to bring them together and, and get them to, to come to a, a solution together, collaborate, and that way everybody's bought into the solution versus you know, the, the CEO owner saying, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Right. Right. I do have one leader that I'm, I'm really pushing on um, from a standpoint of having a, a town hall meeting because mm-hmm. they're a larger organization. And um, unfortunately he's got several partners and one of them is like, no, 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 we shouldn't have it. And, and I'm like, you know, you're missing a really good opportunity here. Um, you know, you, you should be at least once a month right now having a, a town hall, letting people know that the company's doing well, that their jobs are safe, and, um, and giving some people opportunity to ask some questions. Yeah. Um, I mean, you mentioned two positives, the, you know, yeah. that they're having town halls, the company's doing well, your jobs are safe, but town halls are important even to relay not so good news. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Shameless plug here. DScoop has had uh, town halls in all of our regions as well. And it is an opportunity for people to ask questions of our partners, of each other. And it really becomes this open dialogue. Yes. We we find to be helpful too. So I hope your client gets an opportunity to do that. Yeah. Exactly. Good for you for promoting. So transparency, honesty, the collaboration. What other qualities are we leaning on perhaps now more than ever? Well, I think the the biggest one is emotional intelligence. And, um, you know, we we all have a certain level of emotional intelligence. The great thing about it is that you can build it. It's not like IQ. Um, IQ, you're born with and that's it. That's not going to rise high, you know, maybe a couple points here and there. (laughs) Emotional intelligence is, is really, it's about empathy. It's about understanding your yourself and um, your strengths and your weaknesses, managing your emotions, and then the relationships that you build by understanding others, um, understanding how you impact others, and connecting um, those those leaders that have a high level of emotional intelligence um, generally are more successful because they, they, can, they can build strong, trusting relationships with, with others. And it, you know, that's how you get stuff done. It's, in this day and age, it, we're, you know, Ghana is the industrial rev- revolution for the most part. You know, we're, we're, this country is not making a lot of widgets. It's, we've got a lot of professionals 
and um, those professionals are are demanding um, relationships with their with their managers, and um, they want their managers to care. And I and I think that um, early on in COVID, they they saw that um, leaders were really focused on the the employees and how they were doing. I'm. I don't see that as much now, four months later, than I did early on, um, which I'm saddened by because I was hoping that that leaders would would make that shift and that habit would stick. Um, but many of them have, have moved back to what I I call focusing on results first and then relationships versus relationships and then results. Interesting. So when you have the opportunity to work with a client on self-awareness, I think they're one is a key word that you use. How can they gain insight into themselves? Are there processes? Yeah. I mean, there's a number of things. Um, One is to ask for feedback from others. Um, Leaders are great about giving feedback, but asking for feedback, especially from um, their direct report, you know, they'll probably ask for, for feedback from their leader, but asking down or across is, is not happening as often. And so I really encourage leaders to make that a habit. Um, when, when they're meeting uh, one-on-one with their direct reports, part of that conversation should be about hey, what can I be doing differently that can help you? So, so it's asking for feedback is one. And then, um, then there's always the, the 360 assessment, which um, I often use in coaching work where it, it provides you feedback you know, up, across, and down. And it, it is done specifically for the core competencies of leadership within the organization so that you can see gaps from a development perspective for that person and work with that person on, on those, those gaps. Um, so that would be another way. I would think um, pre-COVID, during COVID, and whatever our next post-COVID, <laughs> yeah. like that self-awareness I've heard often, it's a key leadership quality. It's one that we probably have to continually develop and become aware of. Uh, whether we have new employees, obviously, um, how they perceive us is different, what it's like to be on the other side of us. Um, but mo- now more than ever is what you're saying, that those key self-awareness qualities and the willingness to adjust, I guess, and adapt. Yeah, and, and those are two, two things that I look for um, when I, I'm starting a coaching engagement. You know, if, if a person's not self-aware, mm-hmm. um, they're not going to be bought into the, the actual development process. I hear what you're saying. You spoke to me earlier that you are seeing some movement in those shifts in mm-hmm. vulnerability, um, you know, understanding that employees crave information yes. and direction and the managers and leaders are, you know, stepping right up to that with as much transparency and information as they have. It's mm-hmm. a lot about change management, as you and I have talked about in the past. Yeah. So one of the, one of the issues that I run into is 
leaders are concerned about the input of employees versus the output. That, that because they can't see them working, mm-hmm. they think that they're not busy all the time. So that's when I challenge them and say, wait, wait a minute, you know, are they are they doing at the output that you expect? And in general, they'll they'll say, well, yeah. So so the, to them, it's their problem, not the employee's problem. <laughs> so what I do say though is that there will be times when there'll be employees that um, have capacity. And that capacity can be filled with job enrichment, giving them additional projects that will help them develop. But for the most part, if you've written the job description and this person has been working well pre-COVID, why would they all of a sudden not? Really? I mean, especially when people are losing their jobs. I, to me, it made, makes no sense. Right. So- <laughs> So what, what we're seeing is you're saying because the, the leaders or the managers are used to seeing them at their desk where they come in at seven and leave at seven or whatever amazing hours people work, you're, they can't see that now. So they're a little less trusting right. that they're actually working, uh, even though they are giving them great output and desired outcome. And, and the fact is, just because somebody's sitting at their desk right. doesn't mean they're working. Right. Right. And, and the fact is that now that they're home, they're not spending time driving to and from work. So they've got more time to be sitting at their computers. Um, and, and they're probably getting less interruptions. So they're, they're being a lot more efficient. So that's what the, I think that's a great point. So the leaders um, are wondering, you know, how are they getting all this done? Well, there is a lot of efficiency. An hour and a half commute could be dropped. The interruption for lunch or people, instead of virtual knocks, knocking right. on the door. So they're able perhaps to be more efficient. And you know, there are a lot of people working from home together. They have multiple people working. You know, Adult children have come home to work or your husband and wife are both working. And so I have heard many families making these um, schedules. So I'll work from you know 6 a.m. to 12 noon, mm-hmm. and you're schooling or working with the kids. Then you'll work from 12 noon to All 4. Right. They have found ways to be efficient. Um, I heard a great quote once that said, "If you don't trust employees to do the work virtually, why would you hire them in the first place?" Yeah. So you obviously there's a level of trust, but yeah. it's new. It's all new, and they're not not used to it. So that yeah. seems like great coaching on your part to say, you know, let's see, if you feel like they have more capacity, test, test it out with a project or two and see how that works in, in, in the guise of, not even the guise, in the um, complete transparency of, I think you might have more capacity and I'd love you to try to expand. Right. Right. Here's, here's a development opportunity. Yeah, um, and not just to test them, but to literally yeah. help enrich them. Yeah. I think that's a great, that's really a, a, a great piece of advice. Um, how about this uh, question we were talking about um, when we were first preparing for this? You talked about some questions that managers or leaders would typically ask pre-COVID or when you're face-to-face that they need to maybe make a shift and you have advice for different kinds of questions. Can you give us a few of those sort of before and afters? Well, my favorite is 
how are you feeling? Well, if somebody asked me that question, the answer I would provide would be fine. Did I learn anything from that? Not really, not at all, nothing. So a more powerful question would be, what can I be doing that will help you perform at a higher level? What resources can I provide? It, you narrow the field for them. With a broad question like, like how are you feeling? It's, it's just not helpful. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I find is um, there are kind of two types of questions. There are the recall questions. So the recall questions are things like, who did what? When did it happen? Where did it happen? Those are all kind of, those are recall, recall questions. The hows and whats are the more powerful questions. You know, how did you come to that decision? Share with me the steps you took. Um, or, you know, what caused you to make that decision? Those, those are, are questions that require the person to stop and reflect and think about. So those are the more powerful questions. That's great. So the recall questions are more sort of facts, you know, yeah. Who, what, where, when, that's what happened. And then, and the reflection questions require the person asked to think through some more critical thinking types, problem solving answers, and you learn a lot more information. Exactly. And in these times, do you find that those kind of questions are helping with this relationship building we were talking about in the beginning? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I, because when you ask a question like that, you can get a more powerful conversation than how are you feeling? Fine. Oh, good. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's what I call a cheap question. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I have something I call vanilla, vanilla responses, but we'll talk about that. <laughs> uh, let's see. I had a couple of other questions. I think we have a few more minutes here. If you, if you don't mind, uh, we were talking a little bit about um, uh, the, the stories that you were sharing and some of the self-awareness. What are some of the roadblocks that you're finding or blind spots maybe even, I don't know if roadblocks are the same, in, in this ability to perhaps pivot and create change and manage change? What are some of the roadblocks we may even put in front of ourselves? Um, well, I... I think one of the biggest ones is, is that, that fear, that what's going on in your mind oftentimes is, if you're looking towards the future, oftentimes is much worse than what's really gonna happen. And what I like to do is I like to focus on what I can control or, and or influence. And so from a change perspective, um, going through COVID, there's a lot that I can't, I, I can't control and influence. So, you know, focusing on those things like my, my thoughts and my behaviors, those I can control. I can't control what others do, but I can control 
how I'm managing my emotions and, and thoughts and behaviors. Um, so as it relates to change, people need to, leaders need to understand that you can't get somebody to change. Um, what you need is you need to get them to understand what that change means for them in a positive way. What, because most people, when they hear change, it's, they think of it as a loss. Mm. What am I going to lose versus thinking about change as a gain? So what are you going to get from it? Not what are you going to lose? That's excellent. So if I'm leading or managing or even just leading a meeting and I know I have to talk about change, changing a date, changing a process, try to uh, lead with the, the positive, the gain in that change. Exactly. And that brings me to another question. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of the managers and leaders I, I have worked with over a very long <laughs> work life, they tend to lead with the positive. Mm -hmm. And there sometimes isn't all positive to share yeah. these days specifically. Um, how, how would we encourage or how would you coach somebody who typically is an optimistic person um, in being able to share the not so good news. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's, um, that can be a challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's oftentimes why leaders don't have those like town halls, right? Because they're, there's not a lot of good news. Mm -hmm. So you've, you've got to, you know, yes, you've, you focus on the good news, but then the, the bad news, you, you need to be clear about it, um, but then follow up with maybe what you're doing about it. Um, again, if you're a small business owner, don't put all of the onus of, of the solution on yourself. Make sure that you've got a team around you that can help create the the plan um yeah. yeah so but it but people need to know the road ahead and okay yeah we've got these 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 detours um and this is our plan about getting around that that detour um and you gotta be really clear i mean it, it could be for instance i was talking to somebody recently and they had furloughed a number of people and um they've they're going to be able to bring some back um, in September, but there's there are, are a bunch that they're not going to be able to, to bring back. Um, and so, you know, he wanted to deliver that sooner rather than later so that those individuals could kind of get on with their lives, right? Yeah. And so um, the coaching around that is to have that clarity. Yes. The honesty that you talked about. What did you talk empathy. about? Empathy. Empathy, that was the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you know, you obviously with, with those individuals that are, are going to be impacted, um, you want to have those one-to-one -one conversations. Um, I mean, it goes without saying you're not going to send them an email and say, see ya. <laughs> so those are private one-to-one -one conversations and then delivering the news to the rest of the team. Right. Who's, 
is its own meeting, I guess. Um, yeah. And of course, as you mentioned, when people hear about changes like that, they immediately think, how is that going to affect me? Right. How they're concerned about their job. So I guess that's part of the conversation. Yeah. You know, here's our, here's our plan, but it could right. change next week, next month. Right. I, think, I think managing that is, these are very, very challenging times. I'm sure many leaders have been through some of this before in 2008 or 9-11. Right. I know we've had many impacts in the business world over just my lifetime in the business world. So some of them go even further back. Is there anything else that uh, we haven't covered today that you want to share that you're experiencing or knowledge share that we should, we should be hearing about? Wow. I think we've covered a lot, Ginger. <laughs> I think so too. I've learned a lot. Uh, I, and I, you know, I am one of the folks that have been working remotely for a good portion of my career. And I do agree that you can get a lot done, uh, you know, without people right next to you. Um, but there's still those meetings and calls yeah. and the ability to connect. So I do think it's a balance. I think we will start to figure it out. And um, I sure wish we all had crystal balls so we could figure out what the future really does hold. But in the meantime, I'd like everyone to know, you know, thank you so much, Beth, for joining us. But you have so much valuable insights and actions from people you're working with that you share. Your, I read your blog today, as a matter of fact. So I'd, I'd like to invite everybody to follow you on LinkedIn, to also follow you on, you know, go to your website. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see, it is executive-velocity.com. And okay. we'll have that when this podcast um, is airing, as you all are listening. We have a page that sets it up for you on dscoop.com where you can go directly to that link. We'll make that available because I think this is an opportunity for people to take the time and learn these new leadership actions as we do leadership and re-entry. Exactly. Thank you so much, Beth. Oh, well, thank you, Ginger. Thanks for listening to the D-Scoop podcast, another great way to foster connection, conversation, collaboration, and education among our D-Scoop community. We'd like to hear about what you'd like to hear about next. So email us at hello at dscoop.org. And don't forget to stream us online wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Thanks for listening.